Hello geeks, otakus, fanboys, and fangirls. Welcome to another episode of The Talking Pop. It's the podcast where two brothers with two different personalities discuss pop culture news, video games, and more. And every time, something new comes to the table. I am Alfonso Bergen, a.k.a. The Franchise, and always joining me on the chair is... Andy, how's it going, guys? And today um, we're discussing the Disney pick, the latest Disney Pixar film is Coco. Um, me and my bro got a chance to see it. We ended up seeing the English version, the English dub version of the of the movie. But we're also intrigued of going to see how the Spanish version because I keep hearing a lot of positive feedback with the Spanish version, which honestly will probably be the better version. So we're gonna discuss the film and pretty much give our review of it. And hope you guys enjoy it. You agree with our opinions? Well, our opinions might be different. Who knows? Maybe we both enjoy this film, as our previous one was like Thor Ragnarok, which. We had different opinions, so here we go. We're going to dive into Pixar's film, Coco. Like I said, this is the latest one, and apparently this is like pretty much Disney Pixar, pretty much redeeming themselves after the disaster of The Last Dinosaur. Of course, you had Cars 3 earlier this year, which actually did get some success because, I mean, Cars 3 has been, the Cars franchise has been a while, but this was something different than Pixar, you know, doing a culturally-based film, you know, it was kind of weird. I mean, having an American-based studio such as Pixar doing something that's, you know, based on the Mexican-Hispanic culture. So, it was really interesting. Um, and the voice cast for it is really phenomenal. Like, they have really got, like, a, like a Hispanic-Latino uh, voice cast, which was great because, you know, what I like about the film, too, was it was, like, both languages. So, it was like a bilingual film. So, they kind of integrate both languages without even the use of subtitles. But before we get into the film, of course, you know, with any Pixar or Disney film, they'll always have a short film. But the problem is, with this short oh film, God. it was the long, to me, honestly, one of the longest short was, films ever. Minutes. 21 minutes. Is that even considered a short film anymore? Like, think about it, folks. Sorry to interrupt, man. No, but go ahead. Think about it. Okay, so I watched The Office, the show, the TV show, The Office, the American version. And I've seen both. Oh, actually. But the point is... Those episodes are 22 minutes long, and that's a sitcom that lasted for seasons. We're talking a Frozen short, like we're used to Pixar animated shorts that are at least 7 to 8 minutes long. I mean, Looney Tunes cartoon shorts aren't even that long sometimes. At that most, they'll push the 10 minute mark. This is 21 minutes of Frozen. I honestly thought it was going to be like, we're watching part 2. Like, and then... I don't know how people are familiar with Frozen. It was, you know, this big freaking hype train for kids and stuff when it came out four years ago. Like, think about that, folks. Four years ago. And they're trying to still throw it at our face. And they use the worst unbearable character to do it, which, no no, no offense to Josh Gad. I don't, I've never really seen a lot of his catalog of movies. He seems like he's a decent actor. But, gosh, this character's just unbearable. And, and like, even when I hear him do the voice and stuff, I feel like he's really trying hard to not, like... He's trying his hardest to, you know, be in character for this. But, like, God, that character, Olaf, that damn snowman is just unbearable and annoying. And the fact that we got a whole 21 minutes of this guy and all of Frozen, it's like they gave us enough expedition to honestly think this is a part two of Frozen, as if they're going to take place in Christmas. Like, this is something they could have put on a straight-to-DVD film. Like, they didn't, which they probably would make tons and tons of money on. Or they could have released their own little Olaf thing and see if people would get it. But we all know that would probably be a big flop because the character's annoying as hell. But to throw this into in a movie which, like, I hate to be I hate to be this kind of politically correct person because I'm not like that at all. However, I think it's funny how they want to throw this type of 21-minute short, parentheses short, quotation short, how, into a... Uh, Hispanic, first, you know, first one of the culturally significant movies in Pixar that they, you know, which we'll get into in a bit, but Pixar did a great job in, in doing the research and trying to get as much of a brief summary as they can about the Mexican culture, but why did they have to put in this Frozen short? It was just, it was annoying. Like, we got, we already sat through, like, seven or eight previews, and then we get the short stars, like, alright, cool, it's gonna happen. And then we see Frozen. It's like, all right, this will probably be like seven minutes, man. They're gonna celebrate Christmas. No, twenty-one minutes. It was a freaking musical, of course. Being with a Disney movie, it was a musical. Like honestly, I mean, I understand because it's the holiday season. But yeah, this was during Thanksgiving weekend. We got a chance to go see it. But honestly, it's like 
okay, I understand they're trying to push into the culture. I mean, it was it was a good concept, you know. Uh, pretty much Olaf it wants to, you know, like Anna and Elsa, they don't have like a tradition, you know. Because I can tell this takes place immediately after Frozen One ended. Yeah. And pretty much, you know, Elsa's good now. She's able to control her powers and recovered, and you know, they want to get the people embraced, you know, get them more involved before being closed off. They want to get the townspeople involved. So they had this ringing of this winter festival, and it's like they're ringing the bell, and everyone just leaves. The funny part to me was when they ring the bell, and everyone just left. Like, yeah, oh, we're going back. Know, we're going like, home. Right, you know, cool. no, already, we're seriously. done. And Palm is also and they had this banquet plan for the townspeople, but but each family had their own traditions. And of course, you know, another thing too was just Disney trying to show. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was it was a great you know short film. But it was trying to show, you know, how each culture celebrates, you know, the winter season, you know, Which the holiday. Which is cool, yeah. Like, the, you know, the, the the thought behind it is there. You know, it does, and it's, obviously the timing is, is it's it makes sense because we're already entering the holiday season. And so it makes sense for that, for them to be there. But I just, I find it a little, just a little irritating that they threw it in. And I know I'm not the only one because I, I, went, I went around the internet too and there was a couple articles um, written about it, I I had come across it on I think it was I think I read it in uh, I think it was on Reddit where I came across it in an article I want to say it was for I can't I don't want to say it's BuzzFeed but it, it might have been something similar maybe Thrillist I think but they, they, we're not the only ones people took to Twitter and complaining about it um, specifically obviously people of uh, Latino descent like ourselves who. We're just irritated. Like, they had to push this in here. Why? And then the, for the fact that its runtime was significantly longer than it should be, they shouldn't consider it short. It was literally like an episode for a cartoon for or a sitcom episode, literally, just without ads. But this was felt like a big, a big, like, oh, don't forget about Frozen, guys, like a big ad for that. And then, you know, they just could have done it a different way. I'm sure, you know, they probably didn't meant that, but they are, you know, it is a business, so I understand, but they, they, out of all the movies they had to pick, they couldn't have thrown it into some other one. And, like, I hate to do that because we're speaking out of bias here because we're, we're Latinos. So, like, we're going to get a bias towards it. But it's like, really, guys? Really? And considering how the – it's just it's just a lot of – it's just strange times right now. And the last thing you want to do, and everyone's getting annoyed off the littlest things, the littlest things. And we, we sound like we're part of that crowd right now because it's like we're complaining about a, a short – a frozen animated short and don't care. I see the movie. Show. I enjoyed yeah, it. Like, you know, it, it, it wasn't that is. bad. You know, I enjoyed the frozen movie. You know, I, I can see why cool. kids like it. it right. I mean, the yeah. songs were well written, but honestly, I we were both like expecting five or you know six songs within a twenty-one minute span. Yeah, it was basically like, a musical, hell? which something that you know, I, like I said, like I said, it's right before the holiday season, and mm-hmm. honestly, it's like really, um, they had to do this right now, so. um... But otherwise, it was okay, short film. Whatever. I mean, like got, I said, if you're a big fan of Frozen, you live through it. But yeah. lucky for us, the theater we were at, we were on those yeah. reclining chairs. So yeah, it was we like, were comfortable. We were very comfortable. So we were like, but in our minds were like, oh, let this get this over with. Come on, so honestly. Like, if you it's guys like, haven't seen Coco yet, just be in mind that you don't have to be in a rush. Because they're going to show a lot of previews first, and then they're going to show the, the short movie. You honestly go if a show times at like three o'clock, you could probably get there at three forty five and not. And you'll still anything. be able to get the movies. Get Most to see the likely, movie, so. you will not miss anything. So I I suggest that if you're not a big fan of Frozen or if you have kids who do like Frozen, obviously take them to see the part. And obviously, you know, with kids going outside, it's a big mission. So like to get everybody ready. So I understand that, but other people who are just seeing Coco for you know for entertainment, I suggest going there a little later if you're not a big fan of that character specifically. And Frozen in general, but or musicals. So with that said, like we're not gonna, we should not be like that short film and spend so much time on this thing. Yeah, let's, we really let's want to talk about it's Coco, cause Coco because honestly, it spoke to us a lot spoke, because yeah, yeah for it's, sure. it's, it as, as a culturally based, it, it spoke to us a lot and pretty much just all went into the plot. So we are gonna warn you, we are gonna spoil a lot of things. So if you've not seen the movie yet. Um, I would say for right now, um, wait to listen to this episode until after you've seen the movie because we are going to spoil a lot. Mm-hmm. So this is a spoiler warning for you guys. And if you want to, if you are listening and you want to wait till the end, just to give the wait to our final score is, I would suggest skipping over the spoiler parts mm-hmm. until we get to the end of the pod, of the episode when we give our final rating on the film. So for all for to do, um, let's jump right into to the movie, which is Coco. Which pretty much the whole thing was, it's 
course, it's done by Pixar, and of course, it's produced by Walt Disney Pictures. Um, it was based on an original deal by Lee Oakridge. It's directed by Oakridge, and of course, it's also co-written by Adrian Molina. And pretty much the main, like the, the summary that he gives us here before we jump into the plot, it's mostly a story that follows a 12-year-old boy named Miguel Rivera, who's accidentally transported to the land of dead, where he seeks help from a musical great-great-grandfather to return to his family among the living. Um, pretty much the, the concept of the film is based on the Mexican holiday, which is the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, which takes place on November 2nd. And the course, being where his like a Mexican culture, we like that's like Halloween for us. And basically, the whole concept of the Day of the Dead is pretty much setting up little, you know, altars with our family or our relatives, like pictures. And then pretty much like giving them like offering food, like Some the fair fruit, foods. foods they had when they were living. And basically, it's like the whole concept is to evoke the spirits of our loved ones to come back to like spend our you know time with us. Basically, it's like you know invoking their spirits to come spend time with us. It's kind of yeah, and I mean they do it at their graveyards. I've seen pictures, and it's also like a party too. People dress up. Um, you know, if you ever seen those candy skulls? I mean, I remember going to Mexico in the past, and pretty much. Uh, Seeing those candy skulls, you know, it's like, you know, that's basically our Halloween. Don't get me wrong, we're American and we respect the Halloween. We, we do get dressed up for, like, Halloween parties, but in Mexico, it's pretty much, you know, that's the true Halloween. And mm-hmm. I kind of like the I whole like holiday of it. It's I, a, I like the cool concept of it, you know, the whole, you know, your relatives are not gone and, you know, it's for a way for them to, you know, spiritually spend it's time. It's to carry on the memory, which, um, in the film, this is yeah. it plays, you know, it, play, it plays a role in kind of, um, displaying why memories are important, why family is important, and uh, and obviously the main the protagonist in the story is is uh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Why was Miguel? <laughs> Miguel, there you go. Gosh, I'm blanking on the little the little boy Miguel who um he comes from a long line of shoemakers because the original the original uh basically great 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 grandma. She's uh great great grandma. I think it's just a great. Oh, just a great grandma. Double great, great grandma. Double great, yeah. Yeah, she uh was married to this musician. A musician. And apparently, who he left her. Left her to pursue his, his dream. While she's music. taking no, well, they had a family. Well, they had a baby. Yeah, they had a family. Ready. Like the child was young, and he ended up like basically. Basically, how the film opens up. Basically, Miguel tells you the story. Basically, he. Well, it's kind of cool how the intricate of it. How they use the the papel. Like yeah, a little paper things you see in any Mexican village, any Hispanic Mexican village. It's like yeah. little paper decorations, but it's kind of cool. That was like a cool idea. So right, yeah, right from the start, they kind of show us like life in, in this little pueblo they live in, and um, so basically, like he said, like my brother was saying, you know, pretty much. Uh, sorry, no, basically, he's telling you like, yeah, his great great grandmother, great great grandparents, they split. You know, the great great grandfather went off to be music, to pursue music. While leaving her and with her daughter, and she ends up like pretty much disemboweling all music, and pretty much starts a promising career as a shoemaker. Eventually, it passes down from generation to generation to the point now it's like, but this kid, you know, being you know differently, he doesn't want to follow in his family footsteps. Like he wants to be a musician, just like what his great grandfather was. He just never knew who he was. Never knew who he the, was, but. The, his great great grandma swore it off of music forever, and, yeah, and passes on to Lynn to not focus on music so much, which hurts me deeply because I was like, "Well, how can you live without music?" But Miguel has Miguel has that same fire for music inside his heart, and it's hard for him to deny what his family's what's in his family blood. Essentially, that he's trying to learn this other and his main family that he loves, of course, is trying to like d- trying to. Uh, Dis- distract him from that and just play down that that kind of they weren't encouraging him his love for music they wanted to be a shoemaker just like everyone else and he doesn't want to be which um is is very it's you know everybody anybody can relate to this people telling you what to do what you want to you know instead of who you want to be as opposed to what you should be and nobody likes that and especially when you're a kid and you're impressionable to everything and and, and living in the latino culture and me and my brother growing up it's definitely prominent so once we'll, we'll give our reflection on that part later on, but um, 
so Miguel's, you know, he's trying, he's trying to, he wants to play music. It's what's in his heart. And he's like, he starts idolizing this care guy named Ernesto de la Cruz. Is basically like the Elvis. Of, it's kind of like the Elvis of the. Uh, it's basically like this Elvis. So like he has, his, it's funny how he has a little shrine to him, and he's the only one who made it successful. He made it successful for the town, so they have like a, the town has like a statue to, dedicated to him and stuff. Apparently, he talks. He also talks about you know, the, the, the Ernesto de la Cruz, like he was remembered for the song "Remember Me," mm-hmm. and also in Spanish, known as "Recuérdame." And um, pretty much he got crushed by a bell. And of course, but he came from that little town, so they built like a stride, like a statue in honor of him. Like, pursue your dream. Like, basically, like, pursue your dream. Right. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. Which is, which is cool. You know, it's, it's true. Yeah. So basically, like, Miguel, of course, you know, he he ends up like behind his, like, family's back. He's building a guitar. And then, of course, um, Coco, which the film is based, is, you know, the daughter, Mama Coco is his great grandmother of, of, uh, Miguel, Who's you know, she, um, um, of she's mama. the daughter of, you know, the great-great. The great-great-grandma and uh, the mysterious father that, or the mysterious great-great-grandfather that Miguel doesn't but, know about. But her grandma, family, to be honest. So that's all Miguel's great-great-great-grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. um, problem is she's at that age where she's starting to lose her memory, so she has kind of like a dementia. Kind of like our grandfather yeah. is going through that same process, you know, they try to remember certain things from their lives, but it's kind of hard. And, you know, and then Miguel tries to, you know, play something, do something nice for his great-grandmother. And, you know, it, he tries to play a little song for her and tries to ask her, you know, do you know anything about your dad? You know, she starts, like, remembering she, him like a yeah. five, you know, trying to remember. And, of course, the grandma is the daughter of Coco. The Mama Coco, yeah. Of Mama Coco. And, of course, she carries on that tradition of no music in the house, like, no music whatsoever. And, um... Of course, so like I said, going back to Miguel, he has a little shrine to dedicated in the attic to Nessa de la Cruz. He's convinced that, that he has was, like his movies, yeah, his like records and stuff, and he's watching his old films and he's learning guitar just he's, by watching his him. songs. Yeah, he's he taught himself how to play all of his songs and and so Miguel's trying to live like this double life as being himself, and then in front of his family is trying to be a shoemaker, and that even though that's not what he wants, and so he's he's trying to find that opportunity to just show everyone his gift and his love for music. And so then um, he come across this, uh, he comes across a flyer for this big. They have, I guess, in this little pueblo, they have like a festival. Like a, a festival. And there's a talent show going on, and so he wanted to sign up. But then the grandma. We finds see him. the first. We see the first conflict in inter- of interest within him that Miguel has to struggle with internally and externally, and that's with his family because they. The minute they even hear him mention any music. They downplay it. It's like as if he was taking drugs. Like it's just like, no, you can't. No music. We already told you they don't play anything, and they show it, and his struggle for that. And and then there's a point where you know, he's trying to he's trying to fight. You know, trying to keep his family and being in their good graces, but still coming coming of age within him and trying to still pursue that love of music that he has and just wants to spread over the world because he sees that like his what he considers his idol Ernesto de la Cruz. Is like somebody who came out of the out of the pueblo because that's what he wanted to do. He's like, I don't want to be like everybody else in my family. I want to be music. This is what I love the most. And so he he feels that since he saw Ernesto de la Cruz do that, he can get to that top too. And then since he doesn't have that previous information of not knowing who his great 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 grandpa is, he feels like that's him because he finds it as so when they set up the altars and stuff the day yeah friend out it's called and so like. It has the pictures of all the relatives. It has all the pictures of all the relatives, and it has the the top the, the top grandma, obviously the one that the originally great, great started grandma. the shoemaker this lineage. And you see, she uh, you see um, the pictures like turn off yeah, the face of the grandpa. the face of the grandpa. So you only see the mom and then, and the then baby mama Coco, and then this this headless guitar player guy. So like that's kind of what sets the I guess the main plot line of. Of Miguel trying to find out who's this mysterious grand- grandfather that's music's in his blood and they're trying to get out of it. And he's just trying to find himself within his family and trying to gain acceptance from them and trying to get them out of their like ignorant ways of how they see music and just kind of her being so resentful towards it. And, you know, yes. it's, it, you know it makes for a good plot. I think Pixar is pretty good with that. And then, of course, he made his own guitar. Miguel made his own guitar. Yeah, and then cool. pretty much... Uh, he ends up seeing the picture on the Frienda. He ends up seeing, like, my, my brother seems like, mm-hmm. you know, the altar. He ends up, he sees the picture with the head ripped off. But you see, he notices the guitar looks similar to the it's guitar the that he, he made. He made, yeah. 
It looks like it's similar to the Nessa de la Cruz, and then when he tries to question, he accidentally, by accident, what happens is, what happened was he didn't really intentionally damage it. What happened is a little dog was like a, what, Cholo, Guatsiculi, it's a, sorry, my Spanish is kind of really, this is like an old, you know, mine name. I think it's Cholo de Cicutili, dog named Dante. Yeah, he names Dante. Which is native in that region of Mexico. I mean, mm-hmm. those dogs are normally known around that region. So, he, like a street dog, but he he named him Dante. And, of course, the family's like, oh, why you named him? He's not Yeah, you don't name dog. street dogs because then they won't leave you alone. And he won't, he'll keep following you. So, what happened was the dog, you know, being a dog, he ends up smelling the food at the altar. And he starts pulling it. And, you know, of course, Miguel chased, oh, don't do that. And all of a sudden... He acts, the whole thing gets damaged, and then the picture frame breaks out. Of course, the grandma, Elena, sees it, and she finds out that he has a guitar in his hand. And then, you know, out of spit of rage, she ends up damaging the guitar. And, of course, Miguel he gets, gets the so picture. gets hurt by this, and he's like... He ends up like... I don't want to be part of this family, which, you know, out of anger, we say things. So, and then he runs off, which starts, which first starts his... Uh, journey. His journey into... Uh, the the balance of realms between the spirit world and and the real world reality whatever that means and so he tries to go to the plaza and basically you know asks him hey can I borrow a guitar and no one will for this talent show yes because he doesn't have a guitar now because he's gonna he was gonna sneakily go play at this talent show despite their family but he still wanted his family to go see it though yeah see either way because that was the only way he was gonna be able to prove that so he, he runs away from home. And like he said, he tries to ask that musician. They're like, "No, I'm sorry, we have we brought our own." And he was thinking, "Oh, why do I go to the graveyard?" And of course, um, day to day, you know, dec- like cemeteries are open all day, and people decorate the tombs of their relatives. They do offerings there too. Um, same thing. So he ends up going to the resting place of Ernesto de la Cruz. Is one of those open tombs that in Mexico you see that you can actually go in it, and um, it's one of those above ground tombs. And then all of a sudden, you see the guitar hanging on the wall. So he goes actually sneaks through the window and takes it, and then all of a sudden, well, he's standing on the a trail of leaves, and then he strums a chord on the, the for the string on the guitar, and then he suddenly transformed or not transformed, he's transported basically into the. I want to say it's like the 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 gate path to the spirit world, but he doesn't he he doesn't know the difference. He still thinks he's in the funeral plaza, or he's still in the funeral uh, in the cemetery. The cemetery, sorry. He still thinks he's in the cemetery, and he gets transferred into the spirit realm, and he just sees all of these skeletons walking up and down the path, and he's just, so it, it gives you, it's first, uh, exposes you kind of to the, the cultural significance of Dia de los Muertos, and how he's transported into the spirit realm, yeah, you see all the and spirits. he's seeing all his, like, relatives, all these spirits from different families coming across, and it's and Pixar does shows us with that how it kind of connects family lineage to the to the family of now, and how um, how significant it is that these families build altars for their their passed away loved ones, and we get the main kind of we get the rules we'll say the guidelines of how how spirits interact with the with the living. And, it, which is, they do a great job, because they add a lot of comedies, we see a lot of significant characters, um, and we, we we see why these people build these ofrendas for their families, because that's the only way... They can cross through. That they can cross through, and uh, Pixar does a funny job of kind oh, of yeah. the, the modern times with now, and it's like they're going across, like, TSA checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very strange, they got body scanners and everything, and... I think it's cool that they, they, you know, they try to do that. They got, like, somebody in the intercom, like, as if you're at a train station, and they're just, you know, calling out information and, and uh, important announcements. And then they have the declaration thing. You have, like, you have any offerings to declare? And yeah. Stuff. So, like, he he's he goes with the dog because the dog was the one that uh, got him into the thing. But since, you know, how animals have that, you know, they can see spirits, like, they have that mm-hmm. sixth sense. Like, so we don't. He he transfers into the spirit realm. And he's trying to find Ernesto de la Cruz because once he finds out that he's crossed into the into the spirit realm, he runs into his relatives. Yeah, he runs into his his, his dead late relatives. relatives, and uh, they're just like Miguelito. What are you doing here? They just go crazy because it's like, whoa, you're the living. There's a living person in here because you can't um, you can't cross over. I mean, you can cross over, but they only have a certain amount of time before, before they they're forgotten or they become spirits. a spirit, and um, 
he runs across, so we first, this is when he gets his first uh, meeting with Hector. Uh, who's played by um, Gaia Garcia Bernal. Yeah, very prominent Mexican actor. Who, he's trying, he's trying to get to cross the spear bridge to see his family, but he's always falls short and he's trying to sneak past because um, he doesn't have a picture or his he, daughter doesn't have a picture of him because she's No, they don't have a friend. There's no friend. Oh, there's him. no friend for him. Yeah, there's no friend for him. So, like, so that's why he, he tried to sneak over. in dresses Frida Kahlo who's <laughs> a, who was a famed late all Mexican artist. Um, yeah, everyone, hopefully everyone should know who Frida Kahlo is. If not, please do her arts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> very significant to our culture and just all around just um, amazing artist. And so he tries to sneak past as being dressed as Frida Kahlo. And of course, everyone knows Frida Kahlo. Uh, at least she's prominent. So it's like, oh, it'd be fine. They always have a friend as me. And, she, and, you know, he tries to do impressions of her and it doesn't work. And so he runs into Miguel and he and he notices that Miguel is, is a living a living being from the, the reality realm. And he's like, hey, do me a favor. I can help you get home. And Miguel's looking for Ernesto de la Cruz, and he, and he sees says him, he, knows uh, him. he sees that Hector has a guitar, doesn't he? No, Hector says oh, no. he knows him. No, Hector says he knows. Yeah, he knows him. He can get him to. Uh, he can it, get him to the stuff because the that spirit realm plaza. They have their own homes and stuff. Yeah, they have their homes. Yeah, and stuff. they have their own little pueblo world. It's just in the spirit realm, so it's this huge city. Um, and so he's trying to get to Ernesto de la Cruz. So they make kind of a deal. Is that so like, he takes his picture back, like if like if he yes. takes like um, Miguel's picture back and puts it on a friend, so that way Miguel, um, Hector can go across the spear room because he hasn't done it so in so his many years. Yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't seen and like the spirit realm, the spirit people, the of um, dead relatives, they have a certain amount of time before um, they start to fade away because their memories can be forgotten if they're they're living loved ones. Start forgetting don't them. Don't start forgetting them. So if they st- don't set up a friend does. And so, like, his daughter is forgetting him because he talks that he has a daughter. Um, and then, so, like, he's, you know, these spirits start, um, they, they start fading away because so the yeah, memory run, is getting lost. And a good example is that, of course, like, we're going off to, like, we're going way so ahead. But, of course, like, going back to before he meets Hector, um, Miguel ends up running to his late, you know, aunts and uncles, his uncles and, yeah. he, and he ends up running to the great great grandmother because apparently, since uh, Miguel damaged the picture, she's at the Miguel's great great grandmother's at yeah, the, it, Mama Imelda, right? Yeah, That's Mama Imelda's trap. Yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. at the office at the <laughs> at the security office or <laughs> something, and she's trying to explain like, to them, hey, my family why, does it every year. She's like, yeah, my family does a friend every year. All my relatives can cross over, but not me. My, and then they find out that the picture's missing, and of course, um. Miguel ends up having the picture. And apparently, for Miguel, like my brother said, he has a short time because he starts like becoming like a skeleton. He has a short, like a short time, and of course, with Day of the Dead, they can go from like night to sunrise. They can mm-hmm. be back, and um, they can only go back if they can receive a blessing from a relative, basically, like a blood relative. They gotta give the blessing to go back for Miguel to return back to the world of living. So, of course, she runs into him, and of course, of course, she's even though even dead. She still carries that hatred for music, you know. And Miguel's like, "Oh, I want to find my great, I want to find Nestor Cruz." And she's like, "Well, why do you want to go look for him? I, mean, I need to get out of here, you know." Yeah. I'll give you my blessing if you go back and no worry about music. And of course, he goes. She sends him back, but all of a sudden he grabs the guitar again. Yeah. It comes back to this person like a two second. And she's like, "Where are you? At? You were just gone for like two minutes." Yeah, and, and it's like you already disobeyed me, and you already disobeyed your family, and it's like I can't. My It's like I love music. It's not what it's about. You don't understand. And um, and then, then he runs off again, and with he his, ends up running into Hector. Yeah, because him and Dante cross over, and that's when he runs into Hector, and Hector, you know, makes him the deal. So him and Hector are off, and so Miguel asks Hector if he can find him a guitar. Because he tells him how to get to Hector shows him how to get to Ernesto de la Cruz because they have a big like a contest, a big contest thing to to because uh, Ernesto de la Cruz hosts this amazing, humongous party for De los Muertos every year, and he's obviously this big star even in the spirit realm and that around that region, and so he so him and Miguel run go to the talent show and he tries to find him a guitar. So he knows this guy named Chicharron who surprisingly enough is played by the wonderful actor Edward James Edward Olmos. James Olmos. And the problem was with him is he's starting to get to that point that his family's starting to forget him and that's when we see that consequence what the, the Miguel fading. was talking about. Because mm-hmm. he said he calls him like, you know, is like his tío or something, Chicharron. Or yeah. Because I guess the his village amigo. that Hector lives in, a like little part, it's like the 
the lost ones. Because mm-hmm. it's basically people that are starting to lose, like, their yeah, memories. Yeah, their family have been set up a friend of for years. And have, are starting to forget them. And, of course, she throws at that stage. And, of course, we see that whole, like, that sad moment that, you know... Like, he's like, my family's losing, like, they're losing my memory, I'm fading away, I can't play that song one last time. Of course, we find out that Hector actually can play. Yeah, um, because we, because the only way he, that Chicha would be, would let them use their guitar is if Hector plays them his favorite song, because he's already fading away, and so Hector shows his, his skill, and he plays his favorite song for his friend, his, um, his dying love, his dying friend, and so we see him... We see him play this beautiful song, and Miguel's there to witness it, and he's like, wow, this guy's got a lot of talent. So, you know, we finally see, you know, we see more character development within Hector, his kind of his background story, and, and we see the concept of the fading wave part from memory, so we kind of see how important that is towards for the story. And so they get the guitar, they leave the friend, and they're headed towards the talent show. Um, and then keep in mind, while all this is happening, Miguel's family is trying to it's late relatives to find it to the point that Mama Miller sends a spirit animal with like this big, humongous cat-like like, creature with wings. Thing. Yeah, but it's like a cat with like a panther thing with wings. It's crazy. But so there's spirit animals even are in this realm that uh, people guide. use that guide. There's like spirit guides that help track down things. Just you know, it's a, it's an animal. Just how we treat pets are like spirit animals in a sense. Um, so his, his all of his old loved ones from his and down his lineage are traveling and trying to track him down, and Miguel's trying to get to the show, so Miguel and Hector get to the town show, and Hector kind of, you know, told a little white lie and saying that he does know him, but he got him backstage, and so now Miguelito's got to show him, um, he's, he tells Hector, he forgot to fill him in, that he's never played with the big crowd before, and Hector's like, what, are you kidding me, man? Like, I thought you were, you've done this before. He's like, no, my family doesn't allow me to play music. They don't want music in my life. My, my... My great great grandma Imelda doesn't like it. She's and like, Hector's like, oh come on, Ari. So Hector gives him like a quick, you know, prep up to get him to get the butterflies out of his stomach and to, to get a stage fright out. And so they're you know. And then before they go to that talent show, they end up running into Frida Kahlo, who's actually oh, making yeah. making like a presentation for uh, this little cruises thing. And oh my god, Hector knows how because Hector knows Frida, uh, one of the costume designers for Frida, and so he's like, I could see if we can get us get us into the talent show. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, then we see the real Frida, yeah. The real Frida Kahlo. Because Hector borrows a costume from that costume designer friend mm-hmm. for for him to cross into the spirit world, which we first see the first time we're introduced to the character. Yeah. So, you know, we free, we see Frida and her elaborate uh, entertainment ideas. Pre-show got, for pre-show the show, thing. yeah. And so we see Miguel and, and Hector, we, they go and they're playing a talent show, and it you see all the different bands, so it was kind of cool, it was like the different music styles. Yeah, so different type of music styles that go, like on a montage, it's kind of funny. And they, they do a couple from the back then, and a couple minor stuff now, and obviously they use different characters, parodies of characters from um, from modern music and stuff, even through the genres. I, I, when they got to the electronic guy, I noticed like, they made the guy look like Skrillex and shit, and I was <laughs> like, oh, well, they would. But that's like that's whatever. It's it's a it's an interesting uh, scene. So yeah, they were doing great. Like Miguel and Hector were doing great. The song and stuff. So they were playing like what was it? I forgot what song was called. Like Boyo Loco or something. Poco Loco. I Poco think. Loco was the name of the song. Um, Un Poco Loco was called. Um, which is it? a big hit. The crowd loves it. Like Miguel. But the problem was uh, apparently uh, they finally passed the saying there's a uh, the spirit animal catches up to them and pretty much... Uh, he tracks them down through the path because he can smell the footsteps or whatever. He's a trail. And, of course, they get separated. Um, yeah. Because Hector's like, no, you gotta go back. You're the lost boy. You're the lost thing boy. Your family's gotta go. And he's like, no, I gotta go. If I gotta go, I gotta go without you. So they get separated. Um, and then uh, pretty much Miguel runs to the contest winners of the talent show of the of the spiritual talent because show. Because he was supposed to win, but he ran away, so he wasn't there. But for of course, the the band liked how like Miguel's playing, and like they're willing to help him out. So, and of course, of course, it's being this is their Nestle Cruz big party. They got like security and everything. Yeah, because the winner got seeing... to the winner. Sorry, sorry. So the winner of the contest of that the talent show contest for the, gets to play at Ernesto gets to La Cruz's big party. And so, since he, Miguel ran away, once he saw that his family was coming, they caught him on stage because they were close. He had to run away, and they get separated. That's when they get to, um, so, he, yeah, he does a little bartering with the contest winners. And so, he try, he, he finally arrives at the, the big party. With then the you see all the, the all the predominant legends of, like, Mexican culture. 
are are iconic classic figures in Mexican culture from music to movies to, to art wrestling. to prof- yeah wrestling to just a lot of significant characters in our art that you know has trans who has transgressed like you know went through all this um, from going from you know little known popularity to mainstream success within our country. Um, we get some people such as like Pedro Infante. I think you said you noticed El Santo. El Santo. They make a prominent thing with that. Frida Kahlo, of course, comes out numerous times. Um, I think it. They said Pedro Infante and somebody else. I can't remember. Was Antonio Aguilar? I think I can't remember because they're just standing there. Like because uh, who wasn't it? Hector when he's like noticing when he's like, oh, this this like he's the one calling him out. Like, all the different people. So, they end up hectares of catching up to them and stuff. And so, like, for us, it was cool seeing all these little figures. Because growing up, like, my parents would watch these old movies. Or when we'd go visit our grandma in Mexico. Because our grandma in Mexico lives very similar to a town like this. Which, we'll get yeah. to our opinions like that. We're just trying to provide as much story Plot. as we possibly can. And then, of course, they get to the party. And he ends up running to... They end up running to Anissa de Cruz, who's played by Benjamin Bratt. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't get me wrong, he's a great actor. He does do one song, but they have someone else doing his singing voice. Um, so they get to him, and of course, um, happened with how it is, Miguel gets like, he tries to get his attention, but he ends up falling into a, a guitar-shaped pool. Yeah. And of course, oh, on he's, this playing at the, he's playing. he starts playing at the show. Yeah, he starts playing the song. He just like, gets everyone's attention, and everyone's like, whoa, it's, this, it's the kid from the show. And he's trying to get the attention of Ernesto de la Cruz, because it's a humongous house. Part because remember, like he got so much fame and notoriety, this guy's like the Elvis. So you know, you would assume that he's gonna be living this life of luxury and wishes and stuff, and just the best. And so Miguel, is, you know, has to get his attention. He starts playing, then he falls into that big guitar-shaped pool. Um, which he oh well, we forgot to provide this detail. While him and Hector were trying to get to the town show, Hector painted his face. To make him look more unrecognizable to the, the spirits and make him fit into like the spirit world, so Hector gives him like paints him like kind of like a skeleton as well. Um, he paints Meg- Miguel's face, his hands. Well, Miguel's hands start fading away into the to bones like bones. the spirit, yeah, like the spirit um costume basically, which is they're just turned to your skeleton and then whatever clothes you had it you died in, and so he's slowly transforming because like we said he has a certain amount of time before he can get back to the spirit world. Yeah, from from uh, sunrise to what is it? or from yeah from sunrise of the one day from the the first star the other metros to the next or the other los muertos to the next morning and so throughout that time he's gone for the whole day of the dead and so he's fa- slowly tr- turning into a spirit animal, or a spirit uh, a spirit if he doesn't you know if he doesn't accomplish his goal so he has to rush against that clock and then trying to get to Ernesto de Cruz so he's playing the song and he falls into the pool and of course like when he gets up. Out of the pool, all of the paint washes away, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's that! It's the living guy!" Everyone's trying. And then to Miguel him. says, "Like I'm your great great grandson." Mm-hmm. And then and then and this group is like, "I got a grandson! I got a grandson! I have a great grandson!" And everyone's all excited. He's super excited because he has doesn't never knew he had a great grandson or great great grandson. So then we see Miguel. Like, yeah, he has all the films and stuff, and mm-hmm. like in his plaza, so he's just talking. To him. Um, music and stuff. He needs his blessing to return back to the... Yeah, because he needs a family blessing to return to the, to the spirit, or to the real world, the reality. And then, of course, uh, Hector ends up fighting him. And, of course, you know, Nesto has animosity towards Hector. He recognizes Hector. He's like, hey, what are you doing here and stuff? And then Hector has some animosity towards Nesto the Cruz because something happened between them. And then, then of course, yeah. and eventually... Hector ends up realizing he gets a memory back and he, because he sees one of the movies. Um, because um, and this other cruise pad has one of the movies. Like he has his all these movies. projectors screening uh, all his all old his film movies. movies that all his old movies he did. And of course, it's similar to the dialogue that he had with the manager. And of course, it triggers a memory in Hector that, of course, basically we find out because at first when Hector said he died, they were calling him chorizo. If you don't know what chorizo is, it's like a Mexican sausage. Spice sausage, and basically he, they said that he died choking on a chorizo, and, and apparently it was a lie fabricated by Ernesto de la Cruz. So what happened was, spoiler alert, um, this is one of the spoiler alerts, um, he eventually, Hector, finds out uh, that Ernesto de la Cruz actually poisoned because it was Ernesto de la uh, Hector ends up, was actually the one who wrote the songs. Yeah, well, you know, he recognizes one of the songs being played in his movies while that was projecting. He's like, wait, that's my song. 
And and of course Miguel doesn't believe him because he has so much bias and love for you know he's a fanatic for Ernesto de la Cruz and of course being a you know everyone who's a fanatic of somebody you never want to see the faults to you know this reputation the you know what they carry which is a big thing in in this country of course for elitism and and just how just how we hold these celebrities and stuff on a pedestal and we tend to forget that they are humans too with faults and different agendas and intentions and so hector hector sees and sees us and tries to remember back on what happened that time and we finally get some background background development for between the relation between uh ernesto de la cruz and hector and we see that they were actually bandmates they were duo and they hector would be the the songwriter and ernesto would just you know be the, the singer he wouldn't write the songs but he helped sing with them and we see that um you know, Hector wanted to go his family. He wanted yeah. to go his family. He wanted yeah. to take a break. And right, Hector had his family back there. He had his daughter and his wife. He wanted to go back, so he's like he had enough of the pain. He wanted to take a break, yeah, and he, of course, that wasn't but important to him. and this though not being you know musically inept, you know he's not a good songwriter. Saying oh like, he can't leave really really. close, you know that they're, they're finally about to catch their break soon. They just got to keep going because it sounds like from what they gave the exposition that they were. That they were on the road and they're finally making a couple of shows where they're gonna, you know, that close to making their dream a reality. And Ernesto didn't like that Hector wanted to go back. He he had a family that he cared about more than the music. Uh, and so Ernesto got selfish and he's like, "No, you're gonna, you're not gonna do. We can't. We're this close." And but so instead, of, they have a drink. Yeah, instead of instead of uh, just letting him go, he. I mean, he takes, you know, he takes, he seizes the moment of what he, you know, his mantra that he lives by, Ernesto La Cruz lives by. So he's like, here, well, you know, I can at least, let's at least toast, you know, your, your decision with the drink, which he laces with poison. Ernesto laces the drink with poison, which we finally, we see, uh, considering that we, they talk about death a lot in this Pixar movie, which is good because it helps. Oh yeah. Out. We never seen that. Yeah, we never actually actually yeah. Like the most you saw close to death was that toy story three movie where everyone thought they're all going to get incinerated. Uh, but and then Nemo's mom and Nemo's mom. Yeah. But like this one was, this one was pretty tough. Cause it's like, we saw that a, t- a character intentionally killed somebody yeah. as opposed to just two animals. You know, we're talking, these are human characters. So, or we did, there was up as well. Cause the person dies of cancer, but like, that's different. It's not something. Well, like a actually, person killing another person. Yeah, this though. is literally murder, which is like, whoa! You didn't think Pixar would go that way, but you know, it's just good because it's like finally we're seeing this. But, anyways, we see that, that Hector didn't die of a chorizo food poison. He died. He was poisoned. He was poisoned by Ernesto de la Cruz, which Miguel finally realizes. Is like, oh my god, this you, guy's evil. This guy's yeah. Ernesto de la Cruz is pure evil. He's, He's a fraud. Evil to get where he was. Yeah, and and that's and, and of course. Dennis you know, so takes the picture of Hector and, you know, so he, he finds about the back. whole deal. Yeah, he finds out. The and then he ends up banishing both of them, like, into this pit or something. Of course, um, he didn't, and then he, and then eventually Hector, here's another spoiler, guys. Um, basically, Hector and Miguel end up recon- reconciling and eventually he remembers a song, Memory, was basically his song for his daughter. Yeah. And eventually he talks to his daughter. He mentions his daughter's name. He's like, oh, I'm never going to see my daughter Coco. And then, my daughter Coco, yeah. And then, it, then it triggers around Miguel's head that Hector is actually his <laughs> great-great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get fully materialized until, materialized until finally um, Miguel's relatives actually finally catch up to them. And you see uh, great uh, Mel- Mama and Melda react to Hector. Uh-huh. It's like, even though they've been dead, they still hate each other, apparently. She still hates him for leaving. Oh, of course. But eventually, they put aside their differences, because uh, Miguel explains to him that, I gotta take, because he t- finds out Hector is fading, and then she's like, oh, I gotta, because Mama Coco's starting to forget. Mm-hmm. So Mama Coco's, like, her memory's starting to forget, so he, um, Hector, um, so Miguel makes, uh, works together with his dead relatives, need to get, um, first Miguel needs to get back. But at the same time, get Hector's picture from Ernesto de la Cruz, so that way he could put on the ofrenda, so that way Hector won't, and that way Hector won't get forgotten by Mama Coco. And of course, you get to this big finale, this big musical finale, where they're at the show, and they, um, Frida finds a way to sneak them, like Frida ends up helping them out and sneaks them all into the show, which is hilarious. They got those costumes. Back. So yeah. we see that big thing, <laughs> my Frida Kahlo, the big display thing, and of course, um, you see that 
Mama, uh, Mama Melda actually too has a great singing voice. Like she still has, a, she still like music, even though she's still a horror from the Yeah, because Miguel was so mad that she was still shutting down music and didn't want to fix things with Hector. It's like it's not that she's like it's not I never not loved music. It's the reason why I was with Hector is because she loved had loved music just like him. But she was just so hurt that, that he left. Yeah, that he chose music. But she family. didn't know that she didn't know that he was ready to come back. She, she wasn't said, aware. Yeah. yeah, she was not aware that he was murdered, or that like you know it was it was murdered and it was all a, a lie mm-hmm. that he was murdered by Ernesto instead of what he died naturally. But she never got that closure because he had passed away without knowing that Hector was on the way back. Obviously, we got to think about this, guys. This is way before cell phones and all that. So you know the way they paint the story, they weren't able to do communication like that. So. She, that's why she held so much resentment for her, not because he left her to pursue the music, even though he was ready to come back because he wanted to be with his family because they were more important to him. And, you know, we, we're not humans, and through their ex- existence, they try to, you know, we, they try to learn about themselves and grow and, and realize what are the important things they hold in their life. Uh, so we get to the big concert, they go through, and they they... They track down Ernesto de la Cruz as a family. They all get together and try to get to the show. Get the picture back. And get the picture back from Ernesto de la Cruz because once, once he throws Hector and Miguel into that into his what his I guess his holding cells or whatever. They get to the big show. They catch him and then they see that uh, they try to expose Ernesto de la Cruz for it's a fraud. And then he eventually do. And they do. They may, they do a clever way of doing that. And so the family finds success and do it and. Exposing Ernesto de la Cruz, they get the photo back and. Problem is Hector's already getting that point that he's already about Hector's, to die. Yeah, Hector's fading fast. And the sun is starting to rise, so the sun is rising, and Hector's in the danger of you know being put down, disappearing. So the Mama Melda, both of them give him his blessing, their blessing that he can return without any conditions. So basically, he can go back without any conditions. So Miguel ends up coming back. And then he finds out Dante. Oh, I forgot about Dante. We forgot to mention him. He ends up. He's actually a spirit animal. Oh yeah, he's actually a spirit animal, and um, of course after that, um, and apparently spirit animals are able to come back to the world living as you know regular animals. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, Hector, um, Miguel's back in the spirit world, um, back in the living world, and he runs. He has a guitar. He ends up running from the grave, and then um, pretty much he gets to he gets to Mama Coco's room, which she's starting to forget, and he starts playing that song, "Remember Me." Mm-hmm. He starts playing that song, and she's, he explains, oh, this is from your papa. This is from your dad. So he starts playing Remember Me, and of course, then it's kind of cool seeing the grandma starts, like the great-grandmother starts singing along. Yeah. And she starts crying, and then eventually invokes the memory of, and then she shows him that, she starts to remember, and she pulls out a photo. Pulls out the book, and she, she pulls out the photo of them, of, of Hector, you know, Hector, Imelda, and Coco together. Mm-hmm. And all the memories, and all the letters that she got from them. Because then that's, uh, Hector never stopped writing her letters. So he ended up getting all, she ended up getting all the letters and stuff, and of course, a year later goes by, and of course, everyone finds out that Ernesto Cruz is a fraud, so the statue's been, like, boarded up, they write fraud on there, even his tomb's been boarded up, and of course, you have the, it's the new day of the dead, and of course, um, you see the family finally embraces, you know, hey, that Hector can play, that Miguel can play, so he's playing for the family, which is kind of cool, and then you see, um, Hector and all the dead relatives again, you know, joining with the family and stuff, so now his picture's on the Frienda. It was a nice ending. So overall, it, it like it kind of closes out, you know, like you know they're, they're both living there, enjoying their hang fun, and finally, you know, Hector gets that closure that he finally gets to go see his daughter one last time, and you find out that Mama Coco passed away because you see Mama Coco's picture under your friend of Tamien. Yeah. So you get, the and then you see them when they're about to come back from the spirit world, coming to the world living. You see, um, Imelda and Hector, and then you see, come on, Coco, Mama and you Coco see the Mama Coco coming with them. So it's like, yeah, Papa, I'm coming in. And so the, all the families The families reunited, so that was kind of really nice. Cool. That was sweet. Um, yeah. So overall, I mean, like I said, the voice cast was phenomenal. It was a great voice cast, and like, I like for the fact how they blended the two languages. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of people saying the Spanish dub was good too. Like, the Spanish dub was really great. If you want to get, if you want to see that true native language, definitely. I mean, the songs were great. I mean, the songs were great in English, but. Honestly, the way how they're portrayed and stuff, I'm sorry, it, it's actually here in a later language. Well, I mean, if you're not, I don't know, if you're not familiar with the Spanish language and to, from Spanish to English translation, a lot of, a lot of the words in Spanish that translate to English, some are literal and some can be used in a million ways, just how English is a very hard language to grasp if it's not your first language that you've learned. 
So that's the trouble with a lot of immigrants, especially from Mexican nations or any other countries oh, in yeah, the world country who speak another native language, is to where some some words and concepts are used differently in Spanish than they are in English. So we're not obviously we're not knocking down knocking the English translations for these songs. It's just that it's just you kind of can tell like just from knowing the language that like some words just don't translate just as well or oh just sound it would make more sense being in Spanish sung this way because the flow of the word and its con- and its context and the way it's used is different in, than it is in English because some words aren't as we don't say words as literal in Spanish as it is in English. Um, but they do a great job with it. Like, and it's not, not even speaking from a bias. It's just that I, I can, from what I feel like, I definitely do want to see the Spanish version just to hear those songs and see how it flows naturally and, um, and just how it sounds in Spanish because, like I said, those words translate different in English than it would be in Spanish. Um, thought, let's go, do, we can do a thoughts portion. Let's do a thought. So, you can go. So, that was the movie Coco. That, that was the main plot. So, like I said, we had a few spoilers for now. We're going to give our thoughts right So, uh, it being a Pixar movie, I haven't seen a Pixar movie in a while. Um, the last one I saw, I don't, I never was a fan of Cars. I'm not, I'm really picky with animated stuff. Um, I mean, no, at the end, like, was Toy Story, to be honest. Well, like, yeah, but that was more nostalgic, because, oh, God, how many times I get that damn Andy thing? Do you have Andy written under your shoes? Like, yeah, I had it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... I mean, Toy Story came out in, what, 95, 96? I want to say, maybe 96. I, I think it was 95 or 90. No, it was 95, I believe, and that's when it was, like, it was the first computer-generated movie. Yeah, so I was four. So, obviously, like, I'd be attracted to that stuff when I was a kid. And that's saying I'm not, I don't like animated stuff now. It's just, I'm really picky with things. And so, when my brother invited me to go see it, I never knew, I didn't know anything about this at all. So, it was, I had a good, I I thought it was better that I, went, I came into the movie not knowing anything about this movie at all, because... When he's like, oh, yeah, they made a picture. I made a movie about, you know, Dia de los Muertos and kind of, like, our culture. I was like, oh, that's cool. So it was I, – I thought it was better for my experience that I came in blindly, not seeing it, which I do a, bit, a better job of not seeing any trailers and stuff, so it helped. Um, but I thought the movie was fun, and I think they did a – they did pay a decent homage to, like, to our – to the Mexican culture and how, how they celebrate Dia de los Muertos and how the rituals are set and then – how family is such a significant thing in our culture and how um we how it's 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 like how there's such a big conflict when you kind of go against your family's wishes even though it's like you should live your own life and they tell you it's a lot of like hypocrisy in in the Mexican culture growing up just and we're obviously we're speaking to our experiences it's not always the same for everyone but there's definitely a hypocrisy in our Mexican culture coming from um coming from a dad who was an immigrant and a mother who was born in Chicago but raised in Mexico most of her life back and forth. So, I mean, our parents both have accents. They they both they both speak Spanish. They spoke Spanish to us first when we were kids growing yeah, up. So. We, so Spanish was our first language. But the only reason we had to learn English is because they put us in, in, in what I call Jesus school, which they didn't <laughs> like that. They didn't like that we spoke Spanish. And they told us either you, your kid learns English or we're, they can't come here. So we had to lose all this, and my brother learned English through Ninja Turtles and watching TV. Yeah, and that's why I yeah. don't have an accent, so that's why I get, like, you know, when people think of me, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, that's cool, man. When people think of me, you know, if you listen to my voice, you're like, this guy doesn't sound Mexican, you uh-huh. know, and then when I speak Spanish, you know, it kind of throws people off guard. And, you know, it is because, I mean, it's also true to people that you grew up around, like, you know, most oh, yeah. of my classmates, you know, they're, they're predominantly all American. Most of them were Polish, but... Most yeah, of the time, they were American, so... For the most part. Most of the time, they were all, like, English, you know, they all American. So, yeah, I lost that accent. So, believe me, I have relatives, you know, that live in Texas. They have Texas accents. It's, yeah. It depends where you grow up. Thing. You end up picking up the dialect of the region around you. So, like yeah. I said, but, you know, I still speak Spanish. You know, I still have it. I still... We, at home, we both speak both languages. We so, because yeah, we, we don't want to lose it. Because, language. and funny thing is, we got relatives, like, in the... I got cousins that, you know, want me to speak English to them. Yeah. Because they want to, because the English they're learning is from British English, which is completely really different. And, uh, yeah, and especially in a very culturally diverse country such as Mexico, there's so many dialects that are that are different within the regions, and it's just like America. We use these weird slang, and and we expect people to, when they come here to speak English in a certain way, where it's like 
No way. We we say all these weird words and slang terms for so many things. Like we use abonics a lot. So like, there's no. It'd be very difficult for somebody to catch English like that. So when we, so us being um, first generation Mexican Americans, right? Is that what it's considered? I I don't know. I I think differently. So I'm not sure how that goes. But it it's when we go over there, it's different. Like they speak. We try to come in with an informal sense of Spanish plus conversational Spanish that our parents taught us as opposed to whatever their regional dialect is. They have words for different things. Like, we have families, we have family all over this continent. So, like, we try, so when we go over there, we have, just within my dad's side of the family, mom's side of the family, they're both from different parts of Mexico, but they all have different regional dialects and Mm -hmm. different words for different things. But it's all Spanish. So, you know, us going down there, it could be, sometimes it's difficult. But like my brother said, they like for us to speak English to them because it helps them and it helps us at the same time because they have some words. So like we'll, we get crap for it. It's what, it's what I mean, even our own parents give us crap, which you wouldn't think, which is very much part of Mexican culture, you know, bust, ball busters. But that's at the end of the day, it's, it's all love, hopefully. But like, so you, you see that Spanglish being used in the English version of the movie, which is good because it's true. Like there's families that use Spanglish because at the end of the day... If you're living in this country, English is the unofficial quotations, unofficial language. But that's yeah, it's good to speak in your language. It's great. good, like whatever culture you're from. Yes. Not just, we're not talking like we're not being not biased, just, saying just Mexican. It's just any culture. It's good to, to like mix the both languages up. Yes, definitely learn so that way. You don't lose it. Like lose a lot, learn a lot about your heritage. You know, yes. learn about your roots. Even if you don't, don't be afraid. The whole story. Yeah, don't be afraid to show who you are. Yeah. Because, I mean, our dad, you know, he's tried, but it's kind of hard because he still has that closed-mindedness of, you know... He has that, he has that, that Grandma Elena kind of character stubbornness of, from back home, but he's, <laughs> you talk to him and he's definitely American. He's, he just, he's all about the red, white, and blue, even though he came here, but, like, he, I think he just, because he took advantage of the opportunity he had. Um, but our parents never failed to take away, take us away from the Mexican culture, because um, that's what we grew up on, even living... Because we're from the south side of Chicago, so you get... It's a very much a minority environment. There's Polish people, there's uh, Mexicans, there's more different uh, diverse Latino backgrounds, and you got Eastern Europeans. So it's a very... It's a big melting pot of cultures there, but they all have that same kind of, you know, working class ethic of, you know, the, the triumph of being an immigrant. I think... I think it's we're very fortunate to have a father who didn't want us to follow in his footsteps. Didn't want us like, to he wanted us to do our own thing. Of, yeah, he didn't want us to be shoemakers. Like, like he didn't want us shoemakers. He didn't want, like he's a construction worker and he didn't want us to be construction. That's why he wanted us to get an education mm-hmm. and pursue what we feel that makes us happy. Which yeah. I kind of respect that. But at the same time, he also taught us, taught us to be responsible. Like, like if you're working, always be responsible in your job. You know, mm-hmm. never take your job for granted. Um, it's like the money comes when the money comes. Yeah, but. and but he said like always, and also also too the thing I'm always taught is also always look out for family. You know, whatever always. you need. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, that's what me and my brother we do this podcast. You know, when we told our parents, when I told my parents like, hey, me and they are doing this podcast, and they, you know, they're all for it. You know, they never said, oh, it's they never gave us that whole negative concept. You know, it's you know, not of all the things you would think, right? You think they they're gonna say no, but you can't I, do it. But yeah, and like I think that's what really resonated with us with this film is that. They they kind of show what we've been with we've been through with our experience of how like family is important and how you even within your own family there can be so much stubbornness and and just misunderstanding and miscommunication which happens in all families I understand this we all come everyone wants to the change the plight of the human experience but people fall short and it's like all we have to do is have a conversation and we all people realize that humans are all the same like <laughs> we all have triumphs tribulations and trials and. We all just want to get find some sort of pursuit of success and just comfortability in this unpredictable environments of the world and like and this movie, film does a great job of that and it shows just like how you know like I would hope that it accomplishes some sort of it accomplishes accomplishes the goal and shows fans and people new to the Mexican culture or who have heard of Dia de los Muertos and see the skull candy design of art because that's definitely one of the skull candy is one of my fa- candy skull is one of my favorite um art art pieces of all time I I am a fan of skulls of the of skulls of anything just skulls so like that kind of art I love it and it's very colorful and the movie does 
It's just, God, these animators just did an amazing job. The colors are so bright. They capture a lot of things. They, I mean, Pixar definitely looks like they did their, their research with just capturing the Pueblo life of Mexicanos and what they go through every day. Um, the environments, the, the family relationships, the you know, the food, just everything they captured. I think they did a good job, even with Spanglish. So that's why we kind of, we, even if you don't know Spanish, we hi- we highly encourage you to still check out the Spanish version. If you know, I know it's gonna be hard to watch a film if you don't know. Spanish it is subtitled, Spanish, guys. It is Spanish, it is but it's subtitled, guys. So I encourage you to go see it. I think it'd be good to see in Spanish because it'll expose you to the language, and you'll see how the songs. You'll see what I'm talking about. How the songs flow a little better in Spanish in its native language as opposed to in English because they just the wording is different for how they translate it, and so I think you'll you'll get that, and you'll get that sense of of camaraderie between the culture and and how important it is that we celebrate the Los Muertos and it's not just some another Hallmark push marketing scheme for people to celebrate. This like this thing is very important. Like the Los Muertos is very important in our culture and and I, it's one of my like Halloween and that one are my favorite holidays. I don't really like celebrating any of the other ones. That's just my that's just me. But Halloween and those and that one is very important. Um my mom got to go to Mexico City this past month, and she actually, earlier this, um, at the end of October, she had went into November, and so she got a chance to go catch um, some celebrations of Dilo de los Muertos on the 2nd. So she was very fortunate to get and experience that, and I thought it was awesome. That's something I've wanted to do. I've, I've done it, I went years ago, I remember. Um, I, you were in, you didn't go with this. I think it was when I went with my tia Sally. We had went. I was a kid, and we had went to one of the villages. It might have been that time or another time, but I went and I got to see a celebration. But I was a kid, so it's like it's hard for me to go back into the memory box because you know we dump data out of our brains every so often. So mm-hmm. like, we try. I try to. I want to definitely go see another celebration as as soon as possible. Obviously, I have a year now. Yeah, because apparently there's this town in Mexico called Pascuaro, and Pascuaro, pretty much yeah. they're basically known as like. You know they're known for the, they're basically like their talent is basically known for the for the concept of the skull candy. They're the concept like they're the ones who came up with the whole idea of it. The design, yeah, yeah, the design and everything. So and it's such a significant piece, and like I love it. And I heard that I overheard that. Yeah, I talked to my relatives dinner. Like, yeah, it's the day to day is a really big celebration. It's awesome. Town. It's, it's such like, a. I mean, it's a good holiday. You know, it's. It, I respect it that a lot. Death, it looks at death as just you know it's a part. It's just part of the process, and it celebrates their life. Yeah, another thing that I got from this film, like, my thought is, basically, this film's enjoyable. I enjoyed it for all. It oh, speaks yeah. to me a lot. But the other thing besides family and all that also, too, is it goes beyond that. It's like your relatives, you know, even though they're not with you anymore, as long as you remember them, they live on. Yeah. As long as you remember talking on. about them, even animals, too, like, say if you lost a pet or something, as long as you talk about them, they're not, they're not away. They're with you. They're never going to be gone. They're never going to be gone, so... Overall, if I had to, um, if I had to give my rating for this film, I have to give it like a five out of five. Honestly, I found nothing at fault with this film at all. The animation was great, the writing was phenomenal, the music was great, and you know, and the actors, you know, being this was the bilingual one, actually pulled it off. You know, it mm-hmm. was a great film. Like I said, Pixar, you know, so they listened to this um, director's idea, this vision that this director had, and you know, bring this culture, you know to life and big started a good job so five out of five for me what we about you andy um yeah i i'd rate it i i'd rate it a five out of five the same like and yeah we're saying speaking out of bias but no i honestly this is one of my favorite pixar movies i haven't seen i've seen in a while and like i said i'm very picky with anime movies anything animation in general just because not that i'm not drawn to it it's just you know i'm not i have different things in entertain me just as anyone else everyone's got their thing that they are entertained by everyone's different so instead of everyone trying to be the same let's you celebrate being different that's the whole point difference different being different is cool it is what it is um but yeah the only thing i didn't like about this film is uh that frozen shirt other than that yeah other than that that was the only thing we both didn't like if i had to be a rating of four out of five for the movie just because of that damn frozen short it wouldn't be like that. I'll give it a 5 out of 5, but I'll give Pixar a 4 out of 5 because they really messed up on that. They could have just not put that in, made another short maybe, something different. That's what I liked about Toy Story or just the Pixar films in general is that they put these animated shorts that were completely different than what the original content was. And it's like, you know, it shows it shows their creativity and their chops when it comes to animation. And we all know Pixar is amazingly... Of course, being, this, so uh, being that Frozen's a Disney animation studio, like, don't get me wrong, that's how Disney Animation Studio started, you know. How they make their bread and butter, guys. I mean, it's what they do, and it was cool. 
Like, there's a lot of decent trailers coming out for different anime movies from different com- producers. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, of we actually. got the animated teaser, of Incredibles two, which is something. I hope you guys look forward to Incredibles 2. We finally got it, guys. The final sequel is happening next year. Uh, about time. Of course, Toy Story 4 is happening next year. Toy Story year. 4 is happening as well. Um, so so a, lot of, a lot of things to look forward to in, in uh, Pixar. I know the popular thing on the internet is like to all these people getting ready for Incredibles and they're telling parents to leave their kids at home. It's not for them. This is for the others. This is for the people who grew up with Incredibles and Incredibles. <laughs> if you have not, if you have not seen Incredibles, I think you, you have time. Sure. time, guys. There's apparently plenty the, of time. Apparently, the funny thing is, while Incredibles two is, it takes place immediately where the first right movie ended. So up. basically, it's actually them. If you remember seeing the first like movie at the end, they were facing the Underminer. Mm-hmm. They're basically you're gonna get right to that battle. So basically, the whole voice cast is back for that film. So it's basically like it never had. Like basically, they're not grown up. They're not aged up or anything like that. It's just basically takes place. Right after where the first movie ended, basically. Which is totally cool. Like, I, that's fine with me. I'm just excited. They, they, they finally, finally did a sequel. <laughs> for real. Um, so, under that, um, like I said, that's all we got for you guys yeah. today. Um, make movie. sure to check out Make sure to check out our previous episodes. Um, and, like I said, definitely check out Coco. It's playing right now in theaters, IMAX 3D. If you want to see the Spanish stuff, make sure to look up any theater chain that's actually showing in Spanish. I know very few theaters are. They are showing it. Definitely yeah. check it out. Um, other than that, you know, thank you for listening. You can also catch the previous episodes of The Talking Pop on Podbean. You also check out my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the franchise network, where I put the links to the episodes on that page. If you guys have anything for us, if you guys have like a topic that you want me and my bro Andy to talk about on a future episode of Talking Pop, go to that Facebook page and post it on there. Post your comment there or comment on the episodes on Podbean. Um, you can also check out my YouTube channel where I do a blog, a video blog of stuff that I basically do in my life when it comes to pop culture. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at the franchise 85 You can tweet me your topic ideas that you want me and Andy to talk about on a future episode of Talking Pop. On that, um, anything you want to close out? Um, yeah, I'd say check it out, guys. It's it's a it's a great film. It's fun, and I hope that you come in this movie with an open mind and and kind of you know just ready to see what the Mexican culture is all about and how we celebrate Dia de los Muertos. And if you haven't learned more about the holiday, definitely do your research. Just does a great job of kind of putting a visual aspect to it and the sense of family and how important it is. And I, it, it's a great film. I, I really kudos to Pixar for doing you know doing this and. Um, Kind of show, get, kind of, you know, giving, showing some exposure to the Mexican culture, to the mainstream, and it's definitely significant for anybody from the Latino culture, um, specifically Mexicanos. It's a, it's a great thing that they're doing. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's making a killing out in Mexico right now because obviously they're going to have different opinions than we are because we're, we're speaking as Mexican American, as opposed to our, our families over there. So. Definitely check it out. It beat out Justice League. And it, hey, yeah, it, be, it beat out Justice League. It must and say it's a first lot. weekend, yeah, and Thanksgiving. Um, and it's first don't, weekend. I'm not even gonna get into Justice League. That's a whole other issue. But like, <laughs> at the end of the day, check out Coco. I think it's a fun movie if you like animation and you like you like music. Simple yep. as that. All right, guys, that's all we got for you guys this week. Um, as always, geek on and take care. <laughs>